Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Annie, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at layman's.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S dot com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow. Sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help, help the garden grow. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow. Sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden So hey folks, thanks for joining us for the end of wrap up uh, of 2017. I am I have the honor and the privilege of interviewing the the charismatic animal whisperer, techno genius, whiz kid of the urban homestead, and that is Jordan. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for doing this interview. Absolutely, I like that. Keep going. You keep going. Keep, <laughs> keep uh, complimenting. Absolutely, that'd be the easy to do. So cool. So we did Justin and we did uh, Anna East already, uh, and uh, I know that you guys don't really listen to the podcast. Does it make you a little nervous that they went first? No. No, because, uh, well, they went first before me in life. I'm the youngest, so I tend to just make my own way. <laughs> oh, very cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. I know that Justin was a little nervous that everybody's answers would all be different. So I think I, everybody's going to have a different perspective Yeah. in life anyways. I think um, my experience with Urban Homestead would definitely be different than Justin's and Anaïs's, simply just because of difference in ages, difference in gender, and just how you perceive everything is always going to be different I you know facts are the facts but motivations passions it's like uh, going to a summit and what path you take to get there it's always or you know how you see it you know I might see the oak trees he might see the pine trees we're still going to that same goal and general preferences too right yeah absolutely yeah, and that's okay actually I was uh, I thought it was funny that mm-hmm. they they were all nervous that oh the answers are going to be different we have to double check <laughs> with each other but I think it's better that way I think so I think uh, some of the listeners will find out you know put together more of a full story by individual stories um, there's a lot of what the media has reported and the media kind of just keeps to the same sound bites and that's sort of the fact but each of us have a different experience in, in our lives and Together, um, it gives a richer, more fuller experience, I believe. 
Yeah, especially with the media. It's interesting that you got right to that because mm-hmm. that was kind of the first thing that happened with each of them too. You guys have had a lot of exposure with mm-hmm. the media and some positive and some negative experience. But it always seems to be a soundbite, and that's why you guys were excited to do the podcast. Right. Um, I mean, those negative, I would say, you know, that's with a grain of salt. Just some some people pull you more out and make you more feel more comfortable not that we're not comfortable with what we do but they just feel you like connect and then some people kind of some media people view you a little bit as an oddity mm-hmm. or a freak and my joke is um they've come to see the freaks in the natural habitat and it's an inside <laughs> family joke um and and we react differently to whoever's interviewing us it's just the way we are but we're actually surprisingly very private people and if people can connect with us, then they get more of us. If they kind of like, kind of put us on like an edge, we, we can read people pretty well. And, yeah. and the media does tend to, um, no matter how many times we uh, try to share more of ourselves, they tend to keep to the same story. Mm-hmm. And that's not a problem because <coughs> the story is something that is uh, revolutionary. But you know, when you try to show, you know, different views of scene stuff, they mold the story into the, the, what the image they're presenting. And we can't often get a full passion across. Right. And well, we know, we all recognize that media is driven by sensationalism because they have to keep their ratings up, mm-hmm. right? Or the show will go under. Yes. So they go for whatever they think is most exciting. Mm-hmm. But isn't it curious, you said, you know, you're, you're presenting a revolution, but actually it wasn't a revolution so long ago. It was just the norm, wasn't it? It was, um... I mean, you know, if we're talking about back in the World War II days and my dad's hippie generation, but they went to back to the land, you know, to the many, you know, many acres, you know, finding a place up in the mountains. But in Europe and in, um, you know, I would say my grandfather's days, people did have chickens in their backyards and they did have gardens. But what we did is we did set a new precedent for uh, trying to incorporate 10 elements into a single property and make it as self-sustaining as it can be. And I would say that would be revolutionary because um, being the tech person of the family, I I would say I had my finger on the pulse of the internet at that time when we started publishing on the internet. And there was no project or anything out there that resembled what we were trying to uh, accomplish. Some people might have done different things in the backyard, but the whole package of what we were presenting. I did I did try to find uh, comps because I'm here, I'm trying to put out on the website exactly what we were doing. And sometimes you kind of look at comp, you know, comps and you kind of form this, you know, uh, presentation. I couldn't find anything. I, w- I would go to dad and say, how do I put this on the internet what exactly is happening here and it was to, to me it was blazing a new trail well especially in an urban mm-hmm. setting i mean yes even with rural stuff mm-hmm. people don't do near as much as they used to no no they're a little bit more monocrop a little bit more focus in certain areas and you know to each their own not saying anything about that but i specifically remember when i was getting into animals particularly i remember this experience with ducks I love ducks, but I never wanted to deprive an animal of its natural habitat. My my goal in life is, you know, you can love a monkey, but do you go in the forest and bring a monkey and put it in your house? No. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, birds in cages. I'm not, I'm, I love, I'm a birdaholic. I love birds, but I'm never going to put one in the cage. 
unless I have to rescue one. If somebody gives me one that needs a home, I'll take it, but I'm not going to let it go free and die. Um, so khaki Campbell ducks. I found out there was such a thing called land ducks where they don't need water to uh, live happily. Knowing I'll never get a pond, I just grabbed on that. I was like, Dad, we can have ducks, you know, and they, you know, they produce 300 <laughs> eggs a year. And, you know, I'm pitching this. And he, he was like, okay, so how big did they grow? How, you know, he was asking me questions about this breed. And for the life of me, I could not find anything. Like on the internet, besides like poundage and stuff, it was like conflicting information. Nobody had them in a backyard. Um, there was nothing that showed me how ducks could fit in a city backyard. I mean, they couldn't go to a thing and say, oh, here we go. Here's all the information. Yes, it can happen. It was new territory for me. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Can this happen? And I found this internet, um, I found this website on the internet. It was a guy, he had a lot more acres than I did, but he actually blogged about his khaki Campbell ducks. And I wrote him these questions and he was like, yeah, I don't know. Could they fit in a city backyard? You know, I was like, how loud are they? How this? And he was trying to give me as much information for me to make this informed decision. And so went out, got the ducks. And um, I think we addressed in several podcasts before how I made the mistake of getting six and splitting them off in pairs, and I had two ducks. Mm -hmm. But that that's another podcast that has been explained, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. And I just went for it, and it was a complete learning experience because there was nothing out there. Now when I go up there and like ducks in city backyards, it was a ton of information. And so just seeing that change of, you know, it, there's a lot more information where you can people make more informed decisions and it wasn't there for me and I was I was searching for as much information I could to put you know animals in a city backyard do you find that now even that there are some things that you just can't still you still have questions about you can't find yet yes there's a, there is still <clears throat> that's um, a real specific example could you give an example of stuff you can't find still long I would say it's where we are now in this uh, sustaining an urban farm long term. It's easy to create a garden, throw a bunch of chickens, you know, put uh, ducks in the backyard, and one year everything could be wonderful and great. It's, there's not much information in making it highly productive and running as efficiently as it could in 10, 15 years. And, and it's hard to explain because to actually produce the amount of produce we have out of our yard annually, every year is a lot harder than doing it for the first two years. Why do you think that is? Because the soil has to be fed. Things get, the trees get bigger. It's, it's a learning experience every year. Long term, you know, 10, 15, 20 years is almost a lot harder than the first five years. The resources have to shift or Everything change Everything has or to shift, over. and particularly with animals. You can't raise chickens on the same amount, on the same piece of land continuously without actually maintaining that piece of land. The more you put chickens on the same piece of property in the same land, the higher the risk of diseases. So Because of soil-borne pathogens. You can't just... And so... If, I experienced that. I mean, after I we were in the midst of some chaotic points in our lives, I got baby chicks. I had my first ever case of coccidiasis because I, in my busy schedule, I didn't maintain the land 
in oh. a different you can get chicks you can put them on your property and never see coccidiasis for maybe three to five years mm -hmm. after five years then the possibility of that happening increases if you don't actually take steps to maintain the land and that's what i'm saying long-term urban farming that sort of what i believe we're doing now is paving you know uh, a a path or a map of you know, not only starting it and making it successful, but maintaining it. Maintenance is almost harder than creating something. Do you think it's also more expensive than getting uh, than just keeping it going? Um, I wouldn't say expensive, but it's a little bit more of a brain stretch. How to uh, how to maintain the amount of compost we have on our property? Mm -hmm. If you start composting, you don't deal with it maybe for five years, you know, you got soil and you put in the garden beds and it's great. Now we have so much compost, my brother's got to put more water on the property, you know, build up the, um, not on the property, but build up the beds more. And at some point, can you keep raising these beds? What do you do when the soil builds up? Those kind of questions. Uh, old chickens, and again, I addressed that in a, a previous podcast, how to maintain a continuous supply of chickens, young and old, how to keep a supply of eggs. And um, a lot of the books that are out there, a lot of the resources besides ours, is all about starting your urban farm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's not hard. It is hard. But once you get it started, it's like, you know, the pest, you get, you get less pest at the beginning than you do as, you know, as you move things forward, get yeah. older and age and trees age and trees get pests i mean just explain what happened to our apricot tree last year oh yeah it was a beautiful apricot tree it just died and you're like sitting there and you look at this hole in the yard and like what now so planting that apricot first two or three years it was great eight years later it's dead so shifting with that and now with the soil and the animals and um solar panels get old what mm. do you do when the solar panels uh, outlive their life not outlive their life, but the lifetime mm -hmm. expires. Now what? And that I would say maintenance, uh, it's it's not so much the work, it's the maintenance of it and continually shepherding this project to a long-term successful project. And I remember many projects that happened in the 60s similar to what was created here. They did not last a long time either because they did run into the problems of how to sustain it long term and it's a the challenges are exponential for you because your space is so limited your resources even if you had tons of money you're still you still have tiny space and you have to juggle everything yes and you can't just shove something into the corner and never address it and when you have a lot of land you can kind of like toss things to the outer hebrews and you know just throw them in the corner <laughs> yeah. and you know get to it later but in a small space everything is uh Every maintenance is like magnified by a thousand, and mm. you know uh, the falling leaves of a tree. You grow, you plant to a little tree, and it's great. It's bigger, the leaves start to fall, smothers your lettuce plants. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what? Just things like that, you know, how to maintain high yield, the integrity of the soil, and the integrity of the health of the animals. And your, your soul, your spirit, and being individuals in a family, you know, um, you know, you if you grew up, you know, your, your father and you were young kids, you just did a lot of your dad's vision. Now there's like 
um, three of us and you know we all have our different passions and you're like shepherding that into something that you know is a cohesive whole and in and, and, and everything in the garden is that way too the business mm-hmm. um, things fight for space like biodiesel fights for space for event space and a workshop space and then the biodiesel is fighting for space with my needs you know all this is like a constantly shifting headache of how to fit all this in a cohesive unifying system without you know con- it's constantly moving and uh, that's just I or would driving say, just everybody organization crazy. Yeah, yeah yeah organization and all the projects that are on such a small space hmm. where to put the chicken feed do you put it next to the biodiesel? That that just maintaining the amount of everything that happens on that property. It's a lot. And I've, I've jokingly called it a ten ring circus. You know, it's I think that's underestimated. Yeah. I think it's more like twenty five rings. <laughs> it's just like you're doing meats and if I'm doing my meats and then Annie's is doing her canning, it's just that shifting of you <laughs> who know, gets the kitchen. Who gets the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, you know, it's it's easy to be just like gardening and cooking. It's like and then throw a business in there. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, then you throw a business in there, and you got phone calls and things that need to be packed. And the farm box, and they're the farm picking up at their mm-hmm. designated times. and. Yeah, and it's like we're constantly putting on different hats and shifting. And, you know, you can go from being the you know, person mucking out the chin coop to, you know, giving an interview on the space of one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except I wasn't bucking out the chicken coop. I was doing other things. <laughs> You're bucking out other yeah. things. Yeah. And so there's a lot of growth too, though, this mm-hmm. year. There is. There is. It's uh, a lot of stretching, a lot of growth, and trying to uh, focus on um, the best way to continue the spirit and the vision. And that's. I mean, the spirit and the vision is the passion of that we have, and. And I've long said that, you know, because we deal with a lot of people in our lives in this last year, people who have ideas and, um, you know, come up to us and say, hey, I think you guys should do this. And how about this? And my response to one uh, kind of like friends in, involved in your life and saying, you know, what should you do was the fu- at goal to what the goal and the vision has always been. The farm sustains itself. Mm. That's what, that's the vision that dad had and I had as a, as a child was to close the loop. The farm sustains itself. It doesn't really rely on outside influences to make it. It can, but it's, it's like whole. It's a, it's a whole cohesive whole. And a lot of times a lot of projects can start and then like go corporate or go public and it relies on outside donations and outside um, influence or people outside people sustaining it and although we have the business that's part of making it a closed cycle is the farm sustains the farm and every decision we make in our lives is how to make the farm sustain itself and that's what I would say the, the goal of not, not losing sight of that goal so what exactly does that mean a closed what does it look like I should say a, a, a closed loop sustainable farm not necessarily business correct mm-hmm. Okay, so what would that, can you detail that a little, or define it a little more clearly? I mean, I would just go from what I think it is. I mean, that's all I'm asking. it can always change, because you know, my, my mind changes all the time. Well, everybody's going to have their own version, <laughs> right? But you guys are kind of experts at this urban homesteading thing. Mm-hmm. And so as an expert in the years that you've had experience, what would you define your, your um, not 
utopian closed mm -hmm. circle, but a farm that is a closed loop and actually is self-sustaining looks like this. It has these things. I, w I would say that making it, um, this is how I describe it to my friend, is I'll look at different projects. I'll see things that are happening, you know, worldwide. There's some great, amazing projects, and I'm not putting them down. But I'm like, I'm like oh, wow, that person is doing really amazing things. And then you look like, oh, sponsored by or, uh, you know, donors or, you know, this nonprofit, we rely on your donations. And then I feel defeated as an individual. Like, I would love to do what that person does, but I don't have that infrastructure. And so one of the, what we did when we started was, uh, Dad's vision was to make it where a family can sustain itself. So in any way possible, by recycling, by reusing, by cottage industry, by growing your own food. It was, um, all our needs were provided by what we made, mm -hmm. by our hands. And, and I still, in life, I try to do that in my life. It's, I try to sustain myself um, by the works of our own hands. And I think that's, that's the spirit we try to focus on is there's, but at the same time, uh, there's an expectation for us as a family, um, as a business, as a nonprofit to provide things to other people. And we, we appreciate that. We know we have to do that. And that's why we created like, you know, the nonprofit back, um, the reasons to, my father was, to accept donations which would go towards the outreach. We never took the donations and put them in what we needed as a family or mm -hmm. what the farm needed as to sustain the family. So there was always two aspects. There was the business where we created by our own hands our living. And then if people wanted us to do presentations or you know books and brochures, they could donate for that because that was our outreach. We could not, as a family, we could not sustain a large or outreach work international worldwide work mm -hmm. and so I think I still in my life in my decisions is sustaining yourself and not in being that complete like being self-reliant knowing that when they you know when it, when it all comes down to it you can you can do it yourself you can sew your own clothes you can no matter where you find yourself mm -hmm. you can sustain yourself you don't really need to have that outstretched hand and we do we do have it but it's only for um, us to help other people. We want to help other people, but you know the farm. It's a limited income and it supports the farm. It can't support or help other people. At the it's moment. it's like any yeah. other business. Mm -hmm. It has overhead to keep running. Yeah. Plus, if you don't maintain it, well, then I it doesn't feel, produce. I feel empowered, and I feel I feel empowered, and I feel you know motivated to. I get emails and comments. No matter. I mean, I'm. Not even here in Pasadena, I'm somewhere else, and people are like, you know, could you show us how to do this? And I'm like, I would love to, but you know, I'm busy sustaining the farm, so yes, we do accept donations and other things, and we have looking at other ways to create a source of revenue that I can go out there and say, hey, sure, let me help you, because I can have the resources to do this with you. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, you know, my decisions in my personal life is to be as sustainable as an individual and a family and a farm. Is that part of why you started bringing volunteers back to the farm to kind of help so you guys had more time to do other stuff too? Yes, uh, volunteers help um, because 
we have our own growths to do, and I feel um, the volunteers are very appreciative. Some people really want to get their hands in there, and it, to me, it's sharing, sharing the experiences, giving them that what I found and what I have had growing up. Um, it's it's very empowering. You can see them learn and and feel more and more confident in their lives and. Um, yeah, bringing back volunteers frees us up to do a little bit more of what I feel, you know, in carrying on my father's work is is sharing. I feel, you know, when he when he did pass away, I remember, you know, sitting alone at night sometimes and saying, what it what it what part of the homestead do I feel like I have to carry on, and uh, and it's the story and the spirit of it, and and I feel it. Like I said, when I go out to other places and I'm with people who recognize me. You could just feel that. Can you help me? And I'm like, I'd love to. I'm trying to get there, and I need I need the help to do that. And so yeah, volunteers help, and just giving them, and it, and it gives them that gives them the um, the experience that I've had since I was six, and you know, going around and gorilla gardening the neighborhood for the longest time. Gorilla gardening. I did. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of plants up there that are mine. I'm yeah. like, hey, that plant's doing really well. I planted that at ten and cutting from another neighbor. You know. I did that as a as a kid. And, and sort of like Johnny Appleseed. That's I did. cool. Yeah, it's jokingly because I was somewhere this week and how do you get all those plants in your house and all that? I'm like, oh, they're just all cuttings, and they're like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just plant something and it grows. I can't explain it. I'm sorry. You picked the right spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just it's just some way. It's just a knack. Mm-hmm. It's the knack. <laughs> the green thumb. Yeah. Right. Well, I've done a, a fair share of pruning, not near as much as you guys, and I can say from my own personal experience, it's very therapeutic. Mm, it is. It's easy to get lost in making that yard beautiful. It is. And it it's is. so easy to make it beautiful, so it's like just fun. It is fun, and I do sometimes miss it um, because um, we're stepping into different roles, and often I think about I just want to go back and just maintain my little space. <laughs> but there is some roles that we have to grow into and um, it's an acceptance of that and realizing it's the growth and the change we have to do right and at the same time you know taking care of your life and you making yourself sustainable and I, I see it as a, as a journey I would you know those things that I have to do and those things I need to do um, at the same time I will always be that person that goes back and plants that plant or you know, mucks around with the chickens and that's that's kind of like my end goal if somebody says what do you want to do in life I'm like I want to walk outside I want to look at my garden take care of my animals and go in and cook that's it that's like that's happiness for me but this year and in some upcoming years there's some goals and some growth we're going to have to make and I, I realize that's part of the journey so what is your new your new role then uh, I'm not sure what it is. I'm very uh, you're allowed to. You're allowed to admit it because they won't listen to this podcast anyway. So you're safe. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I mean. And I mean Anna Eason, Justin. By the way. Oh. Right. Everybody else is going to listen, but they won't listen. So you, they won't know what you, what you said. No, I just new role is to just. I don't know. I think it's. I'm sometimes very confused, and there's a lot of things like I have. I have no lack of ideas. I could sit here and come with like 20 ideas in one one city. It's, um, yeah, we're, we're, I feel like the burden, or not the burden, just the, you know, the 
carrying on with um, the inspiration my father created is, is very important to me. And, and it, it's hard to explain, but when you receive emails and you receive these letters or these comments from people, there is a responsibility you do feel where you want to provide to the people the, the clearest information and the best, you know, no-nonsense truth of how to absolutely run this urban homestead and um, and just be upfront and clear about, you know, when I give my chicken classes, it's like the good, the bad, the ugly. And just transparent and sharing that information with people is, is it's pretty important to me, and you know, I because I was I would say I was my dad's uh, private secretary. I would do all the you know get his presentations ready, get his speeches ready, you know, film you know his media person, and you know I I, I saw the passion he had for that is to you know share that excitement with people, and and being the one that was behind him, you know, in that way, you know, I just feel a little bit more of it than. Than you know, than maybe before. How do you feel stepping up to to that role uh, now? I'm then? not ready for it. Yet, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person never that ready like, well, for it, I'm right? Kind you of know, person that likes to just like kind of drift on the edges and kind of absorb. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not the person out front of things. I'm always like the person kind of like making things happen. So, all three of you are extremely passionate about the urban homestead. Um, but you're the first one who's actually said uh, very clearly, and I'm sure they're thinking the same thing that maybe they just didn't, um, it didn't come up the same way, but it, it's obviously more at top of consciousness for you. The idea of sharing um, a specific message with the world that's not just about sustainability and how great and wonderful it is, hey, let's all go do this, right? But the marathon mm -hmm. of sustainability, what it really is, that what you're really engaging in is a lifestyle change so you're the first one of the three that has been able to articulate it in such a way that it makes a lot of sense and it almost seems like you guys need to write books about this because mm -hmm. it's one thing to say the 10 elements of homesteading and this another to say the marathon of homesteading mm -hmm. and how to set yourself up to win in the long run mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a very interesting topic I would love to discuss more um, maybe in this interview, or unless, um, or another time. Yeah, because it could possibly last a long time. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot in there. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the idea, and and I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I think a lot of people that's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're, at this point now, the, the, uh, the no the novelty of becoming an urban homestead is worn off on a lot of people. Even from the '60s, obviously yes. failed experiments, mm -hmm. right? You guys are one of the few that has actually survived. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a lot of information just as a study, even if yes. you're just objectively to look at what you've done. Yes. And then to publish that, mm -hmm. it would be an impressive body of work that could help a lot of other people continue on. Mm -hmm. They want to do the right thing. People want, want to do to, the right but thing. They don't know quite how to sometimes. And even. Supply and demand isn't necessary. Sure, it's easy to go and get eggs at the at the grocery store. They're cheaper. They're not as good. They're stressed out chickens mm -hmm. and all the things that are terrible about you know chicken farms. Mm -hmm. However, when they try to raise chickens themselves and they hit the, the year three or four or five and yeah. now they're dealing with disease and they don't know where to put the soil or mm -hmm. to turn it over enough and all of those challenges without knowing it ahead of time, yeah. 
you know, then that's a whole different it's, it's, problem. It's something that, um, I mean, even in sports, you know, every once in a while I think it was like, you know, my family, part of it's from Florida, and, you know, and Buccaneers went to the Super Bowl, everybody was excited. They went once. New Saints went, hey, New Orleans Saints, awesome, I love them. It's repeating successes. It's almost harder than actually being successful. Mm -hmm. It's keeping at the top of your game and, and maintaining that high amount of yield and, you know, not losing your entire flock of chickens because, you know, this disease wiped them all out. So, yeah, I mean, um, it is a lifestyle change. You, you have to love it. You have to feel it deep in your bones. You, you, and despite you know, our presence on the Internet, despite what has been, you know, the media, this, that, you know, you can, we can exist in that world because we have a deep core of realness. It, it is in our bones, it's in our sinews, it's in our blood. This lifestyle is something we believe in with or without anyone paying attention to us. Right, you don't need approval. We don't need approval. I mean, I, I've often said I, I do what I, I do what it, do this because it's for me. It's not for anyone else. And although I want to share it with others, but at the at the core of it, it's it sustains me and it fulfills me. The media comes in, you can deal with that because I do it whether they care or not. You know, nobody can feel me, and I still would love it. And. Um, <clears throat> And I think there was a couple, um, like, letters I received at some point that realized that there's some information you could share with people. Like, uh, there was one mother, I think, wrote me, and she was like, she wants to influence her children, you know, influence, because not to tell them what to do, but also, like, show children, like, what can sustain them. She was like, how do I influence my children to, like, be like you, in a way? And I thought about that for a minute, and I was like, what sustained me? What influenced me? And I gave her some advice, like, hey, as a child growing up in this, these are the things that appeal to me. This is what made me feel a part of something greater. And she really appreciated this letter. I wrote back to her as the child of Jules, who generally was the hippie kid planting plants in the backyard at all times. Why did I do that? What, what did I get out of that? What, did he tell me to do it? No. It was this, you know, this, this influence in my life, you know, that he, that he did put into me, but he didn't tell me what to do, and it's been like the core of everything I've done. And I, I wrote this, and I, I'm sure the email exists somewhere under my files, and I, I remember that, I think about that sometimes, like, people can actually benefit from, you know, the experiences that, as a child growing up, because I grew up in this way, teenager through you know adult now and um, and it's not like I think there's some misconceptions in our, in, in our lives with people is they think that this is the only life we ever lived or like this is the only life that was ever presented to us it's like no in the, the lifestyle that in the neighborhood we were in there was a lot of other influences and I feel like I've lived many many lifestyles but this one is my truest one
Boy, you can't miss all the different lifestyles that are here and the different cultures. Yes. It's LA yeah, County, it's, first of all, right? and then Pasadena, and you're in the middle of mm -hmm. Pasadena. And it's not like I'm a sheltered, you know, country kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, who had never seen the big city. It's like I had it all. I, I did as as a, uh, you know, a child who had a lot of things going on in her life where she felt always on the outside looking in. I did fall into the wanting certain things that other people had and then you realized at the end of it it meant nothing to you so you know it's not like it was denied to you it was allowed everything was you know fine take what you want mm -hmm. and you kind of start feeling this way of like being in LA and being in this and then it's like you know when it comes down to it you know I've, I this is who I am and this is you know my choice to be to be this farmer it's, it's a deep calling to uh, you know, have my hands in the door and to, to really make uh, life to be sustainable and sustainable in many ways. We're not talking just recycling or, you know, getting solar energy. It's a, a spiritual, mental, emotional sustainability that I, I focus on. And in this, I would say this lifestyle, you know, um, uh, you know, it fulfills a lot of that for me. It's not. It's not just because it's the thing to do. It's. It's an emotional, spiritual sustainability that I focus on. Yeah, it's so easy to destroy things, and then once someone finally is done breaking things as a bully or whatever, mm -hmm. and they start to actually build something or help something grow or help an animal or whatever, mm -hmm. it's a very different kind of satisfaction. I mm -hmm. think. I believe that, and. I've often told people I'm I'm a, I'm a by nature nurturer, and anything I do, it's like I nurture things, and I, I just continually reach for that nature in mind, and all all the decisions I make in life is like, okay, what am I nurturing now, and what am I doing? And at the same time, even even as I say this, I just want to point out that I really feel one of the biggest messages to get out to people is also to be gentle on yourself, to be easy on yourself, and stop. You know, the judgment that can happen in people's lives so much. I mean, in, in a sustainable green movement, there is a keeping up with the Joneses that happen. Uh -huh. And sometimes it happens to us. People say, oh, I'm not growing as much food as you are. Oh, I brought your eggs from the store the other day. I'm saying they're going, hey, be, be gentle with yourself. We're all doing the best we can. And it's our role in life to help each other the best we can. That is it. I don't, I don't sit down, you know, and, and I'm, I'm easy with myself. I'm, I eat junk food sometimes. I mean, some of the stuff I eat, what? like, no. Yeah. I'm some no. stuff I mean, I'm like, really? Am I eating this thing? I, you know, I drove a gas car out, you know, for two hours somewhere, you know. It's, but it's, it's your heart and your soul and your spirit, what you carry deep inside to nurture that, even if there's other things that, you know, it's, it's a flawed society. It's a flawed world. Everything is flawed. And every decision that, I tell people to make in their lives if they actually ask me, you know, what do I feel? I'm like, I just try to do the best I can to sustain my soul and, um, you know, be gentle. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with others. And because everybody's, everybody's trying to make it through this life. And uh, it's up to us to just reach out that hand to others and, and provide that provide that comfort and say, hey, it's okay, you bought tanks from the store, that, <laughs> hey, you know what, you know the problem, that's all that I ask of you, you know the problem with chickens, that's fine, 
At least you're aware. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Be gentle with yourself. And it kind of it kind of hurts when I see that sustainable judgment or that eco judgment or that you know why this and why that and you know oh better than better than thou kind of stuff and it's like hey you know what life is hard enough as it is just do the best you can that's all yeah judge not With love yeah do the best you can and love that's that's what you can do and that's what I try to do yeah well the podcast has been instrumental in getting that very message across mm -hmm. uh, to a lot of people. It's really kind of exciting how fast it's growing. Mm -hmm. So with that kind of, uh, I mean, you've had that celebrity before and now it seems like it never really went away and maybe now it's even expanding more with the podcast. How does that make you feel? Um, again, like I said, having that core kind of makes it, it's important to me, but also not important to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to me that a story is told and um, things are shared and um, it also I, I feel that part of my journey is to be a little bit more reaching out in my life I have an accent and some people don't understand what I'm saying so it's like trying to form my voice in a more clearer way of you know communication and uh, it's it stretched my um, comfort levels a bit I would say it's uh, you know knowing my voice is out there like this, and it's not is nothing I can do about it. It's just the way I was raised and <laughs> yeah. never lost it. You know that New Orleans accent, but um, you know it's it's good. It's good that it reaches out and it, and I hope it does inspire people. And I, as is my norm, I'm always trying to figure out ways to make things better. And so I think as we, uh, this is the first year of doing podcasts, um, I wouldn't say like a shaky start, but just kind of trying to find our voices. It was good just to just throw it out there and just stop talking. Not think about what we're doing, not think about a rhyme or, uh, not a rhyme or reason, there is a rhyme or reason, but just to just say, okay, here we go, we're just talking. And I think out of that we start forming more of a path, more of a way, and more of a goal. And I, I know that about myself. Is sometimes I'll just talk, and I'm like, at the end of it, I'm like, hey, that's what I should do. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is massive self-discovery, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think this podcast is part is is sort of following that path. We're just talking, and out of this talking, there'll be more of a path for me, maybe more of a direction, more of a um, plans and goals, and even in the podcast itself something maybe will form out of it more it, it will grow just like Darwin Holmes is growing just like we're growing it's a journey and that's all I keep saying it's right now the podcast is on its own journey it's just well I'm curious to see how it's going to grow and how it's end up and sometimes you can go into something with a plan and expectations and you go in and say okay this is what I want this expectation and sometimes that's good but sometimes it's also good just to leap and say just doing this and see what happens and uh, I think that's how I feel about the podcast is just throwing it out in the universe and um, see what comes of it and see what directions and plans come and what, where it goes. And uh, as it happened with many things in the urban homes that we really didn't have it all written out on paper. This is what we're starting. This is the end goal. It was, well, we kind of know kind of where we want to go. <laughs> 
and what we want to do, but the end goal, I mean, we didn't go into the urban homestead and say, hey, we're going to be on Cena and Oprah, the nightline, this, we didn't go into that. We just, well, we want to be self-sufficient. How we get there and what's going to happen from it, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same way. It's just an organic growth that happens from the, there will be organic growth with the podcast and, and it, I, I, I think it will get uh, better and I, I think I'm, I'm excited to see how that organic growth of the podcast happens just like with the hoot nannies and the events we created when we started the hoot nannies in the front yard I had no idea what was going to happen it was just like hey niece what are you going to do is this this idea well, I don't know what's going to happen and then it created into something wonderful and I, I think that's the same thing with the podcast and my life has followed that path many many times just get ducks, see what happens. <laughs> you know, I want ducks, and I think they can work. I'm not quite sure how it's gonna happen, but we'll see. You know, let's learn along the way, right? Yeah, learn along the way, and the best—that is the best way. You can all, you can read as much as you want, you can study as much as you want, and I do encourage that. I'm not saying against it, but the best way sometimes is just get on that bike and stop pedaling. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I would say that was my. Being un the unschooled child of the family, I think that's probably what I, you know, because there's homeschooling, there's unschooling. Unschooling is you make your way. And mm. um, <laughs> I think that's kind of has been my life is just like, just do it. Well, statistically, you know, most millionaires are uh, high school dropouts, right? Mm -hmm. That's still consistent. Yeah. <laughs> that statistic still yeah. rings true even from 60s and 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. So homeschool and unschooled. My mind works in different ways sometimes. I'm just like, it's an illustration. <laughs> it's all you know what it's thinking. You should start a university, the unschooled university, mm -hmm. and hand out certificates for a fee, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's the podcast is doing really, really well. And I have to say, my own opinion, and I'm sure other people probably feel the same way simply because so many people are listening every day, is that uh, it's the perfect kind of growth. It wasn't shaky at all. It was exactly what people wanted mm -hmm. to know. What were you guys going through? What were you thinking? What was it like? All those different things that came along. Mm -hmm. So now, would you say, because each of uh, Anna, East, and Justin both said, you know, the one every year in your podcast, let me rephrase this. There's each year in your podcast, you describe that one thing big got done, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it seems like the podcast was one of those. Mm -hmm. For 2017, what would you say the Urban Homestead big project was that that was successfully completed? That was successfully completed, huh? Mm -hmm. um, are we just talking about the homestead or are we talking about <laughs> individually? <laughs> well, that, why not both? Um, yeah, some of it's a lot, there's a lot of private stuff, but... Whatever you're comfortable sharing. The homestead, the greatest accomplishment in 2017 was... Um, I think getting, just still continuing where we started. Um, you know, we lost dad 2016 and it was a, it was a lot of life of change and, and uh, there were some times when I felt the future was very, very, not dark, but just like you were looking into a pit and all of a sudden this, this whole burden and and you, or weight was on you and then there is people watching I mean I re always remember a week after 
after a week after my after the news of my father's passing was released because um, it was some we kept it private for a while and then we announced it and I was out with a friend at a church because she was playing the organ for someone and um, the lady you know Paula you know sorry about your dad and and you know this all you know condolences and then she said was asking what we're doing next and I think I just kind of looked at her during headlines and I'm like you know when we figure out you know I'll let you know what people and she just and then the word stuck with me she goes well we'll be watching oh boy she goes we'll be we'll, they will be watching as will the rest of the world and I just kind of looked at her and I was like wow you know that kind of that was a bit of a burden and a, and a weight it was you're trying to figure out where to go and it's like everybody's watching and you know weighing in and, and seeing which way you're gonna go and so I guess the accomplishment of 2017 is that my dad's spirit is still there and I can I see it and I feel it and it's and it's I don't feel that um, you know, I think I think it's one of those things where you remain to the core of yourself and the core of the core of the homestead, and it's it's all about um, being its own sustainable self. I don't know; it's hard to explain. Maybe I'll make sense of it later, but just not losing your way, mm -hmm. not. Is uh, like I said, just remaining true to yourself, remaining true to what you truly believe in yourself, in your family, and you know, not what everybody else is telling you. Everybody else is telling you what to think. It's this is me. This is the home set. This is our family. This is what we believe. And I, and in despite the chaos and and everything that happened, with all these unsettled things that happened in our lives, you know, many years of. Uh, upheaval many years of private things that were happening behind the scenes you know looking at it now it's like did you remain true and you you know who are you when all else falls away and i believe i think i know that more now than ever that was my next question yeah where do you what do you see now <laughs> i don't know that's probably when i'm ready to share it but that's fine. There is a, yeah, there is a, I can't remember the name of it, it's called something. There was a poem that always in my head, and it's, who are, who are you when all else falls away? And this is a poem that I, that is one of my favorites. And I think this year, that has been more prominent to me than ever. When all else has been stripped from you, when you're looking at your darkest moments, what, who are you? Mm -hmm. And who am I? Um, it's, it's developing. But it, the core is the core is uh, deeper and more entrenched in me than I think it's ever been, because you know, crucible of fire or, or what? Um, if you can, with all of everybody talking at you and the voices around you and you know, all the people waiting either for you to fail or succeed, in the end, if you can look at yourself and through this crucible of fire and say, "What do I believe?" and if you can answer that then I think you know what you are. <laughs> That's a, a great way to look at it, yeah. 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 So what's the big goal for 2018 for you? 
I would say 2018 is, um, for me, I'm, you know, the homestead is, is, a, is a passion. It's what it stands for and what it's created is something I'm very, very not, you know, not you know, flamboyantly proud of, but I'm proud of. It's a deep, quiet proud, uh, pride of um, what it's been and what it stood for. And I will, you know, do my best to uh, maintain the spirit of the homestead. Um, there are some ideas we have, and part of that is seeing how it can inspire and more change in others. Um, for me personally, I would like to uh, do, take care of my life in a more sustainable way. And I say my, like, make my personal life more sustainable. Um, because you can also, you know, with business and with a lot of stuff that happens, you can lose focus of taking care of yourself. Mm. And um, and sometimes if you have a sick chicken, you know, you're paying attention to chicken, you're paying attention to this, all the things that can happen around. And every once in a while you have to pause and say, okay, make yourself sustainable. You have to be sustainable in your own self. And I, so 20, I mean, I would say 2018 is like fulfilling, uh, you know, my spirit, my soul, in my, my passions more not letting business or obligations or even though I feel like oh I have to do maybe you know some of my dad's work and you know presenting and this I will always weigh that against following my passions animals you know gardening stuff like that I'm never going to be that kind of person that lets all that take away from what really makes me happy which is nature, which is the environment. And so you have to make those decisions in life where it says, oh yeah, yeah, you can, maybe you could sell out this and create this and make money here, but it's like, why? If I'm not sustainable and my passions are not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so that I would say 2018 is, is all about developing that in, inside myself. Interesting. So when you just said that, uh, you know, not selling products or, or things like that, you're not against that, it's just you don't want to to take away from developing mm -hmm. yourself, is that yes. what you mean? I would say um, anything that we feel that we can create from the urban homestead would go towards furthering the spirit of the urban homestead, not about profit and not about business and not about, you know, how much can you make, how much this, it's what is the end goal of anything that's made from the urban homestead. So yeah, I'll make product, I'm thinking of making my chicken supplement again, but you know, if the chicken supplements sales keep me, you know, up into the night, you know, creating a product just to what, make more money and your personal self is, you know, stretched thin or, you know, you're not sitting there with your chickens, you're not going out and gardening, then that's when the disconnect has happened. Sure, yeah. And whereas, hey, well, maybe the chicken supplement is, is successful, you know, let me go give someone else, you know, pay someone else to do it, give him a job and a lifestyle. And just keeping that in mind, because I have this self-sufficient thing where well, I can do everything, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> it's like, no, that's what the volunteers. It's like, no, hey, this kid needs help. He needs to support his family. 
he can do that. And I give him a good, you know, hard war day's work of sustaining himself and just keeping that in focus of, okay, you know, what do you want to do in your life? I want animals. I want gardens. I want to see the sky. I want to see the stars and uh, see the sunset. Work smart, not hard, mm -hmm. right? That's a very different role, especially since since a little kid, you were taught do it yourself and make it sustainable, mm -hmm. and now you're learning to delegate. It seems yeah. like yeah, and uh, but it's always nice to know you can do it yourself. It's it's really good to uh, know you can rely on yourself. Again, like I said, with all else that falls away, you can get in there and you can get it done. But I think sharing it is is very important as well. Mm. Well, I don't think you can delegate until you know how to do the job. Mm -hmm. Any good manager actually knows mm -hmm. all the positions, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I can do. <laughs> so that's a that's a big goal for 2018. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're talking about business, you're talking about personal, you're talking about spiritual. Mm -hmm. Now, when you make those goals that big, obviously, I would encourage that only because you know, if you fall short, you probably got a lot done. You'd be very happy with mm -hmm. it, right? And I guess that comes down to being gentle on yourself. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, do you ever get a little nervous that there's so much on your plate that you're trying to accomplish in such a short period of time? A year goes by fast. Yeah, it does. I can attest to that. Um, now I would say as long as I'm going the direction I want to go. It's a journey. I don't, I don't see it as an end. There's really no end goal. I think life is just uh, a journey of making your way and you know, seeing who's there with you and uh, reaching out to help those that you can. And I don't think there's ever a point in your life where it's like, I have completed this and I'm ready and this is done and now I can do this. My life has taught me that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And even with chickens and, and ducks and animals, to this day, I not fight self-doubt, is I know I don't know it all. Often people, you know, they, they do treat me like, oh, she's an animal expert in this. And I, I kind of like feel a little bit of juxtaposition. I'm like, I'm not the expert. I've, there's a lot I don't know. I mean, sometimes things happen. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And it keeps you humble. and. And again, I'm gentle with myself. It's like I'm always learning. And and I think if you put this goal of I will know it all and this will be accomplished, you will fall short. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it as I'm on this I'm on this path, I'm taking what I can do, I'm learning as I can, and yes, I have some information I can pass back, but I'm moving forward. And I feel that with animals because I do feel <laughs> I do feel this a little bit because people do treat me that well. Oh, you're an animal expert. I'm just like, not really. But then I, I'll graciously say, okay, yeah, that's great. But I can also know that I'm, I'm still learning. And um, that's about being gentle with yourself. Because if you thought you knew it all and you thought you had it all together and, you, and something happens, then, then you're like, oh, I didn't handle this and this wasn't right and this animal then you can be really you know, broken up and chaotic. But if you just understand that it's one more, one more step, then you're, then you're okay with it. And I guess, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, makes a good, very perfect sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I do, I, I'm not saying I don't fight anxiety. It's a, I can come up, again, like I said, I can come up with many, many ideas.
what to do now. It's like <laughs> business ideas. There's ten of them. Anyone want to do anything? And you can get built up in this anxiety, particularly because we don't have the manpower. But I have so many ideas and so many dreams. But in the end, you can't let that make you lose sight of what sustains you. So any final words for our listeners out there as inspiration? Because it seems a big part of everything that you've talked about is about inspiring others. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I go on life to inspire others. I'm just aware of, I'm aware of that that has been in the Urban Homestead's life is there is inspiration and I try to provide the, um, the whole information to people. I don't sugarcoat everything. Yeah, don't misunderstand what I said. Mm -hmm. I apologize if it was a little confusing. Mm -hmm. You are absolutely an inspiration. The Urban Homestead, everybody involved in it is absolutely an inspiration. And because you keep doing it, people appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the rare opportunities they get to listen to you speak for this long about anything, especially things that are dear to your heart. Is there mm -hmm. anything that you would share as a final uh, final message uh, for next year, especially since this is going to air and then it's going to be the new year for everybody mm -hmm. before they uh, get to hear anything else from you? I just say um, there's a lot to the urban homestead that is not seen and there's stories to be told and I feel like um, I think as we go when we progress along um, the next couple of years I think we're just going to grow and I think um, I think people will connect more to uh, more to the to the facts and the information of the urban homestead. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. I kind of know what I'm trying to say, but it's like, what exactly? I guess I always feel like I mean, being the writer of the family, um, I haven't really fulfilled that part of myself so much. Um, I have so many stories and and things I want to share about the urban homestead, and uh, I guess just stick with us and. Uh, grow with us and uh, you'll see I think some amazing things are going to happen I'm not quite sure what they are I can't say but it is a feeling um, all you can do is keep the faith and keep the plants growing and <laughs> take care of one another and take care of yourself and I think really good things will happen from that and just view it as a journey view your life as a journey and uh, and be open to life, love, and experience it all. Well, beautifully spoken. Mm -hmm. I'm Tom Sweeney, Jordan Dervais of the Urban Homestead. Thank you so much for doing this interview. <laughs> Happy <welcome>. holidays. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. 
The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in until next time. This is Annie East, Jordan. Keep Keep on on growing. Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.